Should Know podcast, a podcast about classical education, the classical world, and the stuff you should know about it. It's the stuff I wish I knew when I was in school. Seriously. And it's the stuff that I'm just getting my, wrapping my hands around now. Um, I am Graham Donaldson. I, uh, uh, I'm one of your podcast hosts and teacher of English literature at Veritas Academy. I'm here with AJ Hannenberg. Hello, hello. And Thomas Magby. Hey. The Dean of Student Life. Himself. Yeah, we don't um, have cool titles. I'm... It, just instructor, it yeah. says at the bottom of my email. Rhetoric teacher, instructor. Yeah. Dean of Student Life is pretty good. Um, so last time we were here, we were talking about logical fallacies, and we got through all of the fallacies of distraction. We, in our arrogance and in our <laughs> hubris, we thought we could get through all of the logical fallacies, realized we could not. But we're going to take up the task again and go for part two and go through the various logical fallacies. So if you are just listening to this podcast... Uh, and this is your first Classical Stuff You Should Know podcast ever, you may want to at least go back one to episode 13, I think it is, and uh, listen to the first half of Logical Fallacies, because this is episode 14, Logical Fallacies Part 2. What would be like a good sequel good name, name for a sequel movie, like Logical Fallacies? Too Fast, Too Furious. Too Fallacied. Yep, yep. <laughs> Hannenberg is thinking about it clearly very yeah, really yeah. hard. Yeah, I'm really, really trying about to think right something now. good. Like thinking about duo, thinking about um, some some you know play on the word fall. And yeah, fall. I I got nothing yet, yeah. but it's, anyway. it'll come. It'll so happen. It, yeah. somewhere uh, yeah halfway through the podcast, we'll just <laughs> blurt it out. Okay, fallacies of ambiguity. So Hannenberg, what do we got? Yeah, so fallacies of distraction are ones that attempt to solve the argument by really avoiding the argument altogether. Fallacies of ambiguity are such that there's something confusing happening within the argument itself. Some sort of thing that's changing from one thing to another, or it's just the argument's not put together in a way that is clear and well, you know, moves logically from premises to conclusions. The first fallacy we will talk about is equivocation. And that's where a word switches from meaning one thing at the beginning of an argument to meaning a different thing at the end of the argument. And the most common example I've seen for this one is all men are rational animals. Women are not men. Therefore, women are not rational animals, right? And in that example, the definition of man is changing from meaning humanity to males, right? Males <laughs> of, the of the species. So that's equivocation, where a word sort of swaps definitions in the middle of things. And I've been guilty of this one myself. Yeah, we see, we see equivocation a lot. Um, I try to point it out when we come to it in literature. There's uh, in Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, there is a part where the lady is coming to the knight and saying like, ah, Christian knight, huh? I hear you guys are all about love. And what she means is charity. Yeah. Uh, uh, sacrificing yourself for the poor and the downtrodden and those who cannot pay you back. And she says, so I hear you're all about love. Why don't you teach me about some of that love? And she ain't talking about charity, <laughs> right? So, um, well, what are you reading? Yeah. What? yeah. Oh, we read this in 10th grade. <laughs> um, so she's equivocating on the word love. And so Gawain, to get out of it, has to sort of like untangle the equivocation and say like, and, or, or go to the actual real definition of, of charity. He's like, oh, let me tell you about charity. Is and that he, what he does? He talks. Yeah. He, so he does literally and, teach. And on. then he, and then he sort of uh, very humbly says, you are, you probably know more about love than I do. And he kind of humbly uh, sort of uh, uh, brings it back to her. But she's sort of using equivocation. We also had a student in class uh, this week do a real big equivocation on the word love in class because we were talking about Romeo and Juliet. And we were clearly talking about Eros. We were clearly talking about like the erotic love between Romeo and Juliet, the one that some students think is adorable and other students think is problematic. 
and we were talking about this. Wait, just in general or in that book specifically? In that book specifically. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's some of them. Man, um, women, gross. Yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah. by 10th grade they would have been. By 10th out grade, that. they're out of that. Um, but so then the students said, well, it's a good thing that Romeo and Juliet are in love because God is love. And so what they're doing together is kind of like what God is. And then everyone Whoa, was sort what? of like, Whoa. everyone was sort of like, wait a minute, there's something <laughs> wrong here. And then one student said, I think. I think you're equivocating on the word love. That's he cool. She said it. Said that? And then, wow. Which student? Uh, that was extra. Right. No, oh, yeah, don't put it on. Students. Yeah, sorry. Just um, kidding. And then uh, uh, <laughs> I think you're equivocating on the word love. And then this student began to explain that uh, God's love is different. God's love is not eros. And the way that we mm. relate to God is not erotic love. And some students were like, yup. <laughs> and, uh, and then, the, and then this, the other student, she was like, oh, you're right. Really? And just then like accepted it just yeah, like that? Yeah, just like cool. that makes sense. And then that's we cool. moved well, on. Really, yeah, that's so it was good. Yeah. Um, but, and so that's an example of like falling into a logical fallacy, not because you are a supervillain mm. and you're trying to, to like uh, move hearts and minds to uh, the glory of yourself or whatever. Uh, but it's just these are pits that you can accidentally fall into because they have the trappings of, of logic. Um, but there's just that one little thing. So equivocation. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The next one we're going to talk about is amphiboly, A-M-P-H-I-B-O-L-Y. And it's a fallacy where the sentence or the argument is worded in such a way that it's confusing. And there have been instances of this where judges will give their ruling in a confusing way so as to avoid some sort of bad punishment. I I, I don't think this was in the U.S. I think it was. I don't remember where I saw this, but they were afraid of repercussions for either getting this guy off or putting him in jail, right? The two sides were really vehement, and so they just worded it such that it couldn't be understood. Huh. And I've seen I've seen one example in real life, so I'm going to give you the the non-real life so example. So this is the grad student essay fallacy, right? It's just such, like, convoluted, jargony language that no one can make heads or tails of it, and it comes, ac- and it comes across as being, like, well, not intelligible. Not, yeah, not total nonsense, but mm-hmm. that it's, it's something that can be taken in more than one way. For example... <laughs> Tuna biting off Washington coast as a headline. It can mean that the, the fishing is awesome. The mm-hmm. tuna are biting off Washington coast. Mm-hmm. That there has been a tuna biting off Washington coast. We got to stay away from there. Yes, yeah, yeah, some guy got his whole leg bitten off by some voracious tuna. Tuna, tuna biting. And, or there is a one enormously huge mutant tuna that is literally biting off Washington coast. Tuna biting off, off Washington, Washington coast, <laughs> right? And Good. so that's yeah. one example. I saw one in real life that I kid you not, this is exactly how it was worded. Doctor Who aided raid in jail. So either Doctor Who aided a jail that yeah. aided a raid that took place in a jail, right. or he aided a raid from jail, or the or doctor, doctor that aided the raid is now in jail, or a doctor aided a raid that took place in a jail. It can be taken a gazillion different ways. And that was an actual headline that one of my students brought in and was like, I think this is what you mean. And I was like, yes, that is one of the most confusing headlines I have ever seen. I mean, Doctor Who's going through some hard times. Yeah, yeah Doctor Who is rough. And it took me it took me a good several minutes to figure it out. And then I actually had to read the article to yeah. figure out what exactly it meant. Doctor Who was not involved. Yeah. It was so just think- a, a doctor that had helped out the FBI was now being in incarcerated. Bummer. So, yeah, it's amb- ambiguous, so you can't can't understand what it's saying. So, so it still counts as a fallacy, even if it's unintentional? So, like, that... Yes, okay. this is... These are where the other ones are fallacies of distraction because maybe you think something's important when it's not or you want to distract from something you don't really want to answer. These are fallacies of purposeful obfuscation or just idiocy. <laughs> Good. Right? I, I'm doing it wrong or yeah. I'm or you doing know. it wrong on purpose so yeah. that people can't understand me. Okay. 
The next one we're gonna go to is accent. This is my absolute favorite. I love this one. I think this happens most often with students when they are trying to get out of trouble mm -hmm. or when you are trying to give partial truths. For the the example they use in- Well, define it first. What is accent? Oh, sorry. Accent is a fallacy of ambiguity that sneakily changes the sense of a sentence by means of where the emphasis is placed. Okay. So you will only usually see this either if they use italics, but even then it's not there. It's usually only spoken. Mm -hmm. right? For example, the sentence, we should not steal our neighbor's car, depending we, on what word you emphasize, can be taken a bunch of different the ways. The whole sentence can be changed by emphasizing each individual word differently. Yeah. We should not steal our neighbor's car. It means somebody else should. Right. We shouldn't steal our neighbor's car. Oh, but means we're going to. Anyway. We're going to, yeah. We shouldn't steal our neighbor's car. It means maybe we're going to egg it or light it on fire. Yeah. We shouldn't steal our neighbor's car. It means we're stealing someone else's. We shouldn't steal our neighbor's car. It means we're stealing... Your mom's. Yeah, your yeah. mom's. Yeah. We shouldn't steal our neighbor's car means we should just steal their kids, yeah, right, instead right. of their car. So that's one example where you, by emphasizing a different word, you can change the whole meaning of what mm. you're saying. And kids do this when they're trying to get out of trouble. So say four students came in and tipped over my bookcase and piled up all the books and lit them on fire and then walked out. Yeah. Well, I catch one of the kids and I say, in. did you light my books on fire? And he said, I didn't light, I didn't, I didn't light the books on fire. It means he was there and he was tipping the books, right? He was he was definitely involved, but he wasn't the one that physically lit the, the match. match. Yeah. Or even if he was, it could mean that he's like, I'm not physically the fire. Right? <laughs> I didn't light them on fire. I'm not fire. And that's that's the way he's trying to dodge it, right? So yeah. You hear this from students trying to get out of trouble all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. I didn't cheat. I just provided the answers to someone else who was. They right? cheated. They cheated. I didn't cheat. Or I... Yeah, I lied or something. You know, they, they're just kind of screwing with things. Yeah. All right, so that's accent. It's one of my favorites. Watch out for it with kids. Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll pop that accent on a word and change everything. The next one is loaded question, and this one is all over the place. We saw it in the presidential fallacy bingo yep. we played just on this Thursday, week. Yeah. And it's where a question is asked in such a way that there are there are only a couple of outcomes, and they're, both of them are bad. Like the mm. question, when did you stop beating your wife? If you say... I haven't, then you still are beating oh, your wife. Jerk. And if you say like Thursday, then you were beating them before, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? You can do it to students. When did you stop cheating on my tests? Or I saw one interview with a woman and the guy says, are you, are you aware that you're insane? And if she says no, then she's <laughs> nuts and she has no idea. Yeah. And if she says, yeah, she's like, I'm crazy and I'm <laughs> embracing it, right? So were there any good examples from uh, the debate? Yes, yeah, so mm -hmm. the one from the debate was Romney was continuously asking Obama when did you cut the funding to something? How much, oh, how much he cut the cut, funding how much to you coal cut, drilling? Yeah, I how much did you cut the funding to coal drilling? Coal drilling, uh, coal digging? Coal mining. Coal mining, They drill go. for oil, they mine, they for, mine coal. for coal. Got it. And he kept asking the question of how much did you cut it by? And the real answer was that, well, I don't even think Obama gave the real answer. He said, we cut we cut the the permits that weren't being That's used right. in mm -hmm. order to issue permits to companies that would actually use them. And so even though we cut the permits, we did increase the overall output of coal. So it was a good argument. And Obama actually did what you should do when facing one of these questions. And that's identify that it's a loaded question meant to trap you mm -hmm. and dodge it by identifying the third option or just not answering it the way that they ask, which is yep. what he did. He said, I here's what we actually did and then outlined the story. Because if you answer it saying like, well, I didn't cut coal mining, be like, aha, you love coal. <laughs> uh, and if you say, well, we yeah, we cut it by 40%, be like, you just chose 40% of, of coal jobs. mining jobs. Yeah. Exactly. So to, uh, when the argument was a tertiary thing, something that or was not what 
the question was being asked, it's a loaded question. So to get out of it, you need to like realize that it, these aren't the only two options. And, uh, and then the question is, is being posed in a way to, uh, that is trapping. And this is often one that you can also fall into as a questioner, right. uh, not because you're an evil genius, but just because you're, you're not you're not you're asking questions. You're just right. questions. And we have to train our students in thesis to recognize the questions and yep. dodge them appropriately. Yep. Is this the one you were talking about for when you're a judge, Graham? It is not. I nope. do the either or fallacy. Either or later. That okay. comes Never later. Mind. So the next one is called No oh, True Scotsman. So good. And it's a fallacy of ambiguity that eliminates an exception to a presupposed generalization by dismissing the exception without justification. Mm -hmm. So the logic behind this is that if I put forward a rule, a generalization, like all of this kind of person is nerdy or smelly or something, and then someone points out an exception, mm -hmm. that should, that's a contradiction and it should disprove my statement. But people will often try to get out of that disproval by saying, well, that's not a real exception. Mm -hmm. An example would be saying everyone who plays Minecraft is an ugly nerd, right? Yeah. And then somebody brings forth this model who is gorgeous. <laughs> like and young is, Adonis. He's yeah. like, I enjoyed the Minecraft. <laughs> and he's like, I also enjoy yachting and good conversation. And he's just, he's wonderful in every possible way. Yeah. And they're like, that's not a real Minecraft player. You're not a real player. Minecraft player. Right, he's not a real mm -hmm. Scotsman. Exactly, we, that we kind of thing. We see this in the school, in school where people will say, everybody at Veritas just is like completely wrapped up in caring about Latin or grades, and someone will be like, uh, that guy doesn't care about grades at all. Well, he's not a real Veritas mm. student, right? Wow. Uh, and so um, what? it can be, yeah, it can be a cruel uh, fallacy. These all can be cruel, but... Um, Do you know why it's called No True Scotsman? Yeah, it's because it was, uh, I think it came from the British saying, like, all Scotsmen are crazy, like, are they f like crazy bumpkins who fight naked. And they'd be like, well, look at this really educated... Uh, well-mannered Scotsman, like, well, that guy's not really Scottish. He's mm. not a true Scotsman. Mm. Um, it can also be done when you are doing it for your own group identity. Um, we, You're not a real skater. Yeah, <laughs> Get exactly. out of here, man. You're a poser. Get out of here, poser. And be like, well, I have a skateboard, and, and I I'm come actually to the good skate at tricks. park, <laughs> and I come here every Saturday. Uh, and I and I skate and be like, yeah, but you're not a re you're not like a real you're not real one of skater. Us. Yeah. Um, and there's no reason for the exception. It's just yeah. Being a jerk. Wouldn't yeah. that be exception without a, like special special pleading, exception without a reason? That's what I was trying to because we did one. Wouldn't that be special like pleading? But this is dismissing the exception because the other one was justification. Wasn't the other one asking for an exception for no reason? Oh, okay. and yeah, then and this, this one is getting rid it. of it right. for no reason. All right, moving on to fallacies of form. This is the form. So of we're the done argument. with ambiguity. Done with ambiguity. Moving on to fallacies Thank of goodness, form. Thank goodness, that's confusing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we fixed all ambiguity. <laughs> this one is a fallacy of form that assumes what is to be proven. It's called circular reasoning. You, you've probably heard of it, circular logic. It's where Begging I assume the, the conclusion in the premise. So he says he loves me, and he wouldn't lie to someone that he loves, would he? Well, well you're, sort of, <laughs> uh, you're sort of assuming that he loves you, and the right. premise to prove that he loves you, that's, it's, that's circular logic. Mm -hmm. And the problem here, I think the most interesting thing about this one is that begging the question is actually, this is what begging the question means. Right. It means that you are begging the premises or begging the conclusion in the premises. Mm -hmm. And that phrase has shifted meaning now linguistically to mean raises the question. Yeah. So people will say, well, that begs the question, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, it doesn't. doesn't. Should we go to war? Yeah, that, that begs the question, what was he really doing in that hall? You know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And you know what? As as not a prescriptivist, like I'm cool with language really? changing. Oh, I'm not, like I'm not a prescriptivist. Oh. Pre yeah. 
I, I'm okay. So with it doesn't it. bug you that no, it, it changes meaning. It yeah. changes big whoop, and yeah. I think you just have to be aware of when it's being used in one sense and when yeah. it's being used in the other, so that you don't like look like an idiot when someone is talking about circular reasoning and you think they're meaning it. Ra- it's raising yeah. the question. Yeah. So then you need to know the definition of it. So if someone's begging the question, you say, "Well, you're actually begging the question." They have no idea what you're talking about. They're like, "I didn't raise any questions." Mm. Then you're well. Now you're in a fallacy of ambiguity. <laughs> ah, well, now that person is just confused. Yeah, you just need to sort confused. of dumb it down. So, I don't yeah, know that's so your circular fault. reasoning, yes, he wouldn't lie to somebody he loves. Um, the next. The oh, nec- the logical fallacies of love. <laughs> <laughs> is there a whole section for those? I'm sure there, there are. should be. The next two are causation fallacies. And I'm going to kind of bundle them together because they both are fallacies where you assume cause without showing any actual link between the two things. The first one is post hoc ergo propter hoc, which means after this, therefore, because of this in Latin. So I see one thing happen, and then a little later I see another thing happen, and so I assume that the first thing caused the second. So this this is where a lot of superstition comes from. This morning, a black cat crossed my path, and then my girlfriend broke up with me. Just my luck, <laughs> stupid black cat. When really, you might have just been a terrible boyfriend. Right. Or she met that Adonis that loves playing Minecraft. And, yeah, yeah, and that, that kid. That, he's, he's, he's a fantastic great. He built her an entire, guy. like, digital Taj Mahal. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Minecraft. And then a real pagoda in her backyard. <laughs> he's, he's also a craftsman. Yes. He works with his hands. Mm-hmm. He's just, yeah, he's what good. He's great. So that's post hoc ergo propter hoc. It's where a lot of superstition comes from. Mm-hmm. See one thing, and then later another thing happens. And then you say that they are related. They are therefore clearly linked. Mm-hmm. The next one, cum hoc ergo propter hoc, is a fallacy where you... Falsely, because two things are correlated, you link the two. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this even in some classical school promotion literature where it shows on one axis time spent with parents and then on another axis grades. Mm. And so they assume that just because a kid is spending more time with their parents, their grades will therefore improve when really I think the cause is probably just wealth and prosperity. It can be any sort of cause, right? Like just because they're correlated on the graph doesn't mean that it's, that's, it's, it's describing the causation. causation. Right. Yeah. I think the correlation is probably because they're a wealthy family, right? If the, if the parents are wealthy, they might have more time to spend with the kids. They're not working three jobs. And also that kid probably goes to a better school, has more time to spend on homework and isn't worrying about getting beat up all the time. Mm. And so the, the, both of those things correlate because they both are being caused by social status, mm-hmm. not necessarily by something else. So this is the one that we see confused students a lot. Um, because people abuse graphs. Because and people do this abuse on all the graphs all yep. the time. So we have a great website that's called Spurious Correlations that what, uh, yeah. correlates things together that have no business being correlated. Like... Um, the number of Nicolas Cage movies perfectly correlates to like people being strangled to death by their bedsheets in a given year. And one so of he- them is like Age of Miss America and deaths by hot steam and objects. Like, <laughs> Maybe correlated. Like the younger she is, the more people die by steam. And but the graphs are correlated, right? Like when they when it rises in 2014, the other one rises in 2014. It's gone down. So the the statistician has found these things that obviously don't correlate. Right. But has shown or obviously don't cause. Or obviously that cause. don't cause. Yeah. But he's shown how they correlate, and people will be like, "Oh my goodness! Like what's happening with steam in Miss America?" Um, it's you know we got to keep them their ages up. People gotta, are gonna die. <laughs> Um, Sorry, so, yeah, the number so, of Nicolas Cage movies is inversely correlated with helicopter accidents. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> so more Nicolas Cage movies and fewer accidents? Fewer yeah, accidents. So the more, yeah. I knew he was good for something. Something, yeah. He's, got, he's on there. So the students, but then oh. students can get so nervous about this that they, they also don't know when things actually cause with correlation. And 
The answer is you just need way more data, way more data, and then also have the explanation for how these things would actually correlate. They, they, they can be, there's probability, there's, it can be a probable correlation, causation because relationship. It, this just feels like it'd be a super modern thing, but this, like, this idea has existed for a long time. Yeah. So it hasn't been called, it probably wasn't called correlation. It has a versus, fancy Latin name, Thomas. Yeah. That's just, that's cool. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking as we go through all these that like, these logical fallacies have existed for a long time and it's mm -hmm. not like, we've suddenly invented all these things. Mm -mm. Um, there are fancy psych, uh, psychological terms for most of these, mm -hmm. um, but I prefer the Latin ones because I'm, what's the chronological snobbery Because that's exactly what it is. That's what I well, that one yeah, is yeah. actually might be a little more, that's one that C.S. Lewis talks about a lot. That one right. and Bulverism? Bulverism, <laughs> that's the one. I was blanking on the name it's for a second. Mumbled. But those are two that come from Barbarism. primarily C.S. Lewis. Yeah. And I'm not sure I've seen them in any other Mm -hmm. logic books that really reference them, but they are they are fallacies in their mm -hmm. own right. Cool. So fun fact, uh, Hannenberg and I had this one idea back in the day that we were going to, to help students memorize them, we were going to make logical fallacy finger puppets oh, no. as little animals. So post hoc ergo propter hoc was going to be little hawk. a little hawk. <laughs> and amphibly was going to be a little frog, a little amphi amphibian. Tu, tu quoque was, was going to be a, be a little, duck. little duck named Tu quackway. And he would just come <laughs> around and be like, Tu quackway, quack, quack, quack. <laughs> And he would quack you do it too. You do it too. You do it too. You do it too. Whatever happened to this idea? Uh, we all, those are like we could only figure out four or five. And <laughs> I was like, what do we do with an elephant? Yeah, we couldn't uh, figure one. So we just sort of bagged it. Yeah. We had one for a duck and one for a hawk, and that was about. But now I all I think about with two coquets, like a little duck, just saying like, I you do this too, and uh, and the post hoc ergo proper hawk is, a, is, a, is just a hawk that's just like correlating all these wrong things together. Um, <laughs> he just walks around his life thinking that one thing has caused another thing, and his. His causation is insane. In well, the thing is, life. the ancient Romans thought hawks were like harbingers of something. Like a hawk flies over your battlefield, you're like, yes, we're going to win. Yeah. So do the Greeks. And that's exactly yeah. post hoc ergo propter hoc. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. We'll put that together. Cool. All right. Oh, oh thank you. Good. Yeah, guys. It's all connected. This is, uh, the next one is called bifurcation or this, either or or false. You've probably heard false dilemma or false dichotomy. This you're is the one I do with all it. the time. It's a fallacy of form that illegitimately limits choices. It's where you give them two choices when really there are more, more. choices. Mm -hmm. And this, yeah, Graham does it sometimes when he's asking questions for so, thesis. So Megby, either mm -hmm. you can be on this podcast right. by bringing us snacks, yes, or you can be on this podcast by bringing us snacks and 50 bucks. Wow, I better get snacks. You better jump on that snack two stream. options. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you better I, bring us some snacks. Mm -hmm. uh, this works really well for kids. Yeah, this is, so despite being a fallacy and you should <laughs> you not should use, use them it. to convince mm -hmm. people to do things, you sometimes using use them on kids is fine. And in this case, definitely use it. There's a there's a golden window yep. where this works, and then eventually they figure it they'll out. They'll hit the logic stage, and they'll be like, wait a gosh darn minute. <laughs> and then they realize that you're you're pulling a fast one on them. But when they're real young, you can say, okay, either you go to bed with a snack mm -hmm. now. No, either you go to bed right now. With no snack? With no snack. Or... You go to bed in five minutes with a snack. No, and then the kids will be like, snack, wow, snack, 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 yeah, snack. snack. Yeah. Uh, and they feel I'm, as though they've made a choice and they're in control of their destiny when really you got them to bed in five minutes <laughs> and you fed them like you were supposed to. Yep, and so off they go, happy little campers, yeah. uh, going to bed and be like, I chose this and fall asleep. <laughs> Remember, this is coming from three people with, three no, people kids. with, no, with kids. no children. I bet, <laughs> yeah. So, so we have no idea if this works The effectiveness or not. is still suspect, but I've told it to some of our students who do babysit and they say it works. There's a golden window where the kids make the choice and they're like, I made this choice. I feel really good about my agency. <laughs> and then, but then is, logic, is that how they talk? Yeah, that's how children talk. And then the logic well, my stage My understanding hits. of how kids talk. <laughs> and then the logic stage hits and the, and the kids realize 
they, they sort of start putting this together and they realize, like, wait a minute, there are more options in this world. What? Or I could continue shooting you with a Nerf gun. You know, like, <laughs> and I've had, I've told students that, you know, when the parents say you can, you can either t- get your phone taken away or do your homework, I was like, look, there are more options. You could burn the house down. <laughs> You'd punch your mom in the face. You could run away from home. You yeah. could decide to become sheriff of the town and run for sheriff. Like, you, there's all kinds of things you can do <laughs> with your life. And apparently one of them went home. Actually did that? And did that to, their mom was like, you can do your homework, go to bed. And they're like, I could also burn the house down. And mom was like, <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> it's like, you made your choice. Hanenberg. Yeah. <laughs> Drat. So sometimes I hear from parents after teaching these that their kids come home and they're like, mom, that's a fallacy. Because parents use ad baculum all the time, mm-hmm. right? Do this or you'll be punished. Oh, and they're yeah, like, the threat. why should I clean my room, mom? Because if you don't, you'll be punished. And they're like, that's not a logical reason. That's at baculum, and the parents are like, <laughs> "That's an appeal to fear, and I'm not scared." Yeah, they'll be like, "Well, here comes the punishment." Oh, you should be. Yeah. That's yeah. the problem: is parents actually do have the power to make to this happen. The next one is slippery slope, and it's a fallacy of form that asserts but does not demonstrate a connection between a proposed idea and a resulting series of bad consequences. Also, the bald denial that some clearly treacherous and dangerous step will lead to any negative consequences at all. So. I think the best way I can explain this is with those direct TV commercials mm-hmm. where it's like, if you do this, this will happen. And then if you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. And you haven't necessarily demonst- like demonstrated the causal link between all of those. Or you say that this one horrible thing will happen if we take this step, but you haven't necessarily proven that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's slippery slope. Students do this all the time when they're talking about one test grade, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I got... I got to be on this test. And if I get to be on this test, I'm going to get a B in this class. If I get a B in this class, I'm going to get into a crappy college. If I get into a crappy college, I'm going to not get a good job. If I don't get a good job, I'm going to live under a bridge. Mr. Donaldson, you just gave me a B and doomed me to living under a bridge. Yeah. And then I remind them that I do not give grades. They earn grades. Oh, you earned your bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Now you got to live under it. You also, you had this happen in um, the great books class. Someone, um, this was a couple weeks ago, so I don't remember the details, but someone said that an argument was a slippery slope. And your response was, let's explore the slope. I thought that was a good answer. Of like, yeah, man, sometimes I'm good at stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't I remember like, this so, at all. Like, I have no recollection. The person's response was like, okay, so um, if you believe this, then it leads to all these bad consequences. And then your question was, well, let's look at like each step of that instead of just assuming the whole slope is there no matter what. And the what. thing is, the slope could be real. Like the, it could be. Those bad consequences could actually be bad consequences. So in our, in our debate, um, they were talking about cutting taxes and then the repercussions that cutting taxes could have. If you cut taxes, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. And the kids were like, that's slippery slope. That's just a logical fallacy. It's like, okay, for it to be a logical fallacy, we need to go look at every assertion and see if, in fact, those assertions are um, unsupported conclusions uh, or improbable conclusions. You're building this whole thing off of improbable conclusions. Uh, this is kind of also we see the slippery slope with those ancient aliens because uh, with like uh, the ancient pi- these pyramids could they be uh, satellite dishes and since they're satellite dishes who are they communicating and since it's like a slippery aliens, slope of other fallacies it's like, put yeah, together yeah exactly it's, good. it's so, real impressive it's a you guys if you yeah it's a master class in logical fallacies just, just go watch it it's untangling awesome. that mess is just I'm still that should that be our logical it's on course. History Channel I'm so yeah. mad at, at one this. point oh, they claim that the gods in the Iliad could have been aliens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, and since they were aliens. Mm-hmm. And since, and they, since were aliens, they were aliens. Oh, it's yeah. great. Yeah. That's my favorite. Okay, we got one more, and it's a priorism or hasty generalization. It's it, You draw a conclusion based on a too small sample size. Mm-hmm. This is where racism comes from. Mm-hmm. You meet one guy that's bad news, and you assume that his whole group is bad news. Mm-hmm. 
Or this is where bad contracts in sports come from. Some kid's got a great season as a hockey player, and then all of a sudden, like, he gets a huge contract, but he just wasn't that good. It was just an outlier season, one sample yeah, size. Yeah, or maybe, yeah, everybody else in the competition was kind of poopy that year, yeah. and so he shined even though he was relatively average. That's hasty generalization. You're making, or you have one dish at this mm-hmm. restaurant and say that the restaurant is the best restaurant you've ever been to in your mm-hmm. life. That's hasty journalism. But really, you know, the rest of the dishes were like foot pasta and uh, <laughs> foot, yep. foot pasta. Yeah, I don't that's know. That, a Canadian expression. No, I have no idea. Oh, yeah, that, is that what you guys eat up there? <laughs> <laughs> that foot, foot pasta and, and poutine. You have <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, it's my favorite. Anyway, so yeah, so hasty crazy generalization. Money. Yeah, that's that draws these to a close. That's all of the fallacies we were. So Hamburg, I have a question just to to close this out. Do you think that it is maybe and for both of you guys? Do you think that it is? a worthwhile experiment to like really actually commit these things to memory and be able to whip it out in conversation and say like, Oh, that's slippery slope. Or, um, because I feel like one of the problems with teaching logical fallacies is that the students can, or just people in general can kind of become snarky know-it-alls. Um, but they're right when they're talking about a logical fallacy, but just pointing out a logical fallacy doesn't solve the problem at hand. Right. I think, I think the trick, yeah, I, I absolutely think committing them to memory is important. Not necessarily their names. You don't have to know the Latin names for everything, but you need to know how all of these work so you can identify when they're being used on you, mm-hmm. when you're being trapped with a question or when you're begin, given only two or three options when there are far more. But I think simply pointing it out as a fallacy makes you look like a bit of a dip, mm-hmm. and you should, you should rather identify it and then tactfully mm-hmm. address the situation and say, mm-hmm. well... That's that's not entirely true because you're changing the definition of this particular word. So let's set a definition together and then move from there, mm-hmm. right? You have to be tactful always and be gracious and be humble. And I think that those should permeate all discussions, but that these tools, you don't have, just because you have them doesn't mean you have to abuse them and look like a jerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the way that you point, like the end of it is a, is discussion with someone else. So like the way our school is structured is that it goes grammar school to school of logic to school of rhetoric. So the end of all of this knowledge that they get they learn is that they would be able to speak well at the end of that. And so, yeah, they should know these things. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be jerks about them, but being a jerk about it would be speaking poorly about it. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. Just like you can, if you know anything, you can abuse yes. it. You can get a big head and you can sort of wag that knowledge around in any conversation. So listener, we have just armed you with a great tool, the tool of logical fallacies. Now you have the choice as to whether you're going to use that for evil mm. or whether you're going to use that for good. And, like with all education, we have just increased your potential for good or evil. No, it's true. It is true. Um, uh, the C.S. Reason Lewis why said that education was dangerous because we could be making clever devils. That's right. Yeah. The reason why Satan uh, in Paradise Lost fell so far is because he was the greatest, and he had so much far to fall, uh, so further to fall, and he could be so much more terrible because of all of the because uh, of all the potential that he had for good. Um, and I think about that a lot when we're when we're teaching students. <laughs> I think about it a lot because how great I am, I think how, how wonderful I am, I, how, and far how far I can, I, fall. I can fall. No, I think about that a lot because on the one hand we are giving them all of these things, but yes, you could be creating these clever devils, people that if they do not have the virtue, if they don't right. care about virtue, then they're going off and they can be using this for evil. And this is what Plato argued against the sophists for: is that they were not men of virtue; they were using these tricks to be able to get ahead. And you know, and that should that is condemnable. So, I guess it's kind of convenient that the next topic is going to be the seven virtues. Sure. Yeah. So All right. this is going to flow I, together really yeah. well. Well, thank you so much for listening to Classical Stuff You Should Know podcast. Um, you can check out our new website, uh, classicalstuff.net. 
Uh, you can listen to all the old episodes, and we are also on iTunes. You can RSS feed uh, the whole the whole kit and caboodle. And um, uh, if you have if requests, you, if you have requests, please email us at classicalstuff at veritasacademy.net. Um, we will reply. Uh, we will thank you for your listening listenership. And if you have requests, we'll put them on a list and we'll get researching and get learning and bring you some cool new classical stuff that you should know. Thanks for listening. Bye.